He's got the halo behind him, as always. 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 Our our voice of reason is back. Paul, how are you? I'm doing great, man. How you doing? Uh, you know, life's living. The Buckeyes play today, so it's always a big holiday for us. You know how yes. that goes. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. We're playing an undefeated rival. This is rare when we actually get to get some competition out of them. It's rare when you get some competition, period. Oh, yeah, I set you up for that one. I know you did. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so how are things? How Did you have a happy Thanksgiving? Low key. Yeah. So I got, I got a total knee replacement two weeks ago on my other knee. Uh, so I'm recouping from that, doing rehab, resting. How Which, often you know, did they have you rehabbing? I got a well. They had in in house coming three times a week. Oh, that's nice. And starting Monday, I I go to uh, outpatient. That's very nice. So yeah, so you know it it's just horrible this time of the year because all I can do is rehab and watch sports on TV. It's sad. <sighs> well, hey, at least this is the perfect time of year for sports. <laughs> Basketball's kicking up. Do you have a basketball team? So I think we've talked about this before. I really don't like any pro sports. I, I watch some of them. Basketball, definitely not. Yeah. Uh, college, I like college basketball. Uh, okay. I like college football. Um, baseball, I like, you know, AAA and all that sort of stuff. But nah, professionals, nah. Well, hey, at least this, then, then this is still the perfect time of year for it. So. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, World Cup's happening. Yeah, I, that's pretty huge. So there's three or four games a day. That's kind of cool. Except it's I fun to a, watch. It's, it really is. Morning and watch any games. Right. I refuse, I refuse to do that. Well, so my sister, she played in the Junior Olympics for soccer. So, like, when I was in ninth grade, I got to miss three months of school and go travel uh, Europe with my family. Really? And, uh, oh, it was, it was a thrill. And they obsess over European soccer a lot more than I do. You know, uh, I'm, I'm a football guy. American football so and and they're they're catching every game every time I wake up in the morning like on these weekends they're already up and watching soccer wow. and it's fun but honestly for me I think I've watched so much of it and it's gotten so dry that I just kind of enjoy the end where it's like all right this is tight let's get to the end but I for an hour and then here's here's the kicker about soccer but um, they go, all right, it's an hour and a half or whatever it is. And then the referee gauges of how much time is wasted. So then they add an additional time, which is like just mystery money that they just throw on the top. And you're like, oh my God, does this thing ever end? Me and my grandfather, he's the one that kind of got me into wrestling and football. He's the traditional manly sports guy. And he would he loved supporting us in sports so he'd always come to cheer on my sister and, and my sister was obviously like the highest producer in sports in our family so he he loved supporting her but we'd be sitting in the stands and he'd be like this is just like watching paint dry this is so tough <laughs> well i uh, and if you don't if you don't understand the intricacies of soccer yes it is very painful but it's but it's it's like baseball 
if you don't understand the intricacies of baseball and you go and watch the guy throw the ball and the guy swing, it's like, come on. This is, and, it, and if it's a, if it's a, guys pitching the perfect game it's like this is so boring the guy's just pitching the ball and the guy's swinging the bat and it's like this is boring but if but if you if you start to understand the intricacies of what's going on then it becomes a little bit more exciting and i think soccer's the same way soccer's a soccer's a to me is a mix between chess and boxing so so you you got to you you need to know your moves like three or four ahead of time what you're going to do but at the same time, you're sparring with the other guy. You're walking up and you're slapping him in the head and backing up and you're just punching him again. And so you're trying to find his weaknesses. And then when you do, you exploit it quickly. You're very right. You're very right. I think um, the difficult disdain for it we had kind of was rooted in the fact that we had it balanced with girls lacrosse, which I'll double down is even harder to watch. <laughs> they can't like hit each other. There's no like knocking. So yeah. it's really just like catch. And it's very slow. She loved it, but man, it was tough, you know, being See, that same. I, I, I think our society is more violence prone. So we like all that bashing and knocking around and, and, you know, all the physicality of football. Um, not the soccer's not, you know, aggressive and stuff, but it, it, it's, it's not like, it's not like rugby. All right. So, right. so, um, and, and the other thing that we, that we, that we like is lots of points. If it's not scoring lots of points, then why am I even watching it? It right. doesn't even make sense. My brother asked me yesterday, he said, he said, how come, the soccer teams just don't match up one-on-one when they're playing, when they're playing against another team. So it would make sense. So, okay. I'm at, I'm, I'm marking up you the whole time. I'm in your pocket the whole time. Like in basketball. That would exhaust you. First off, I told him, I said, first off, you had some players who are much more better skill wise than other players. So who are you going to match up on them? For example, a Ronaldo or Pele or somebody like that, you know, that it's just they can run down the field and go past all 11 guys and score, let alone literally, literally. One, guy, one guy. And I told him, I said, so the whole idea behind soccer is a score. Right. It's not, it's not like it's not like basketball where you're going to score 50 baskets in soccer. If you score one goal, that's your goal. And so, and so I'm not going to, so now I'm not going to match up one-on-one with you knowing that somebody's going to get beat on the field and then they're going to get a free chance to have a goal. Not, you know, in basketball, if you get beat one-on-one, so what? I get the ball back and I'm going to run down the court and do the same thing to you. Uh, soccer's not that way. It's just, it's, it's, there's, it's too much of a, it's a, it's a thinking game. It's too much of uh, maneuvering around and figuring out where you're going to be and positioning and all that sort of stuff. So. Well, and also there's a similar math to like zone defense versus one-on-one defense, right? So like you're you're more apt to play a zone defense when you're outnumbered by a player or two, right? Like if you've got more people on the line or you're rushing another guy, you're probably going to have to play zone because you're not going to be able to cover two people behind you 
with a man on man offense, you're going to have to kind of just play the area between them and right. commit to where the ball goes. Um, that it, it, I, I see the, the chess side to it, but I would double down on, you would be so exhausted if all I was doing was like following you the whole time, it, it, it would be a significant waste of energy and energy that you don't have to waste in soccer. I agree. Um, but you brought up rugby, and one of the greatest parts about going on that trip with my sister was when we went to Belgium. Uh, there was we played some Austrian soccer team, and all the kids from the other team, like the siblings, put together a rugby game while the soccer game was going on. Uh-huh. So there was like a field next door, and we were all playing rugby. And I think that was the highlight of the entire trip. It was so fun playing rugby with like these kids that like definitely knew how to play rugby. Wow. And uh, it was it was a blast. Um, but Paul, I I got to introduce you. You ready to start this thing? We let's, oh. let's all right. Let's make it official. So, I love that term, think tank. Think tank. I mean, you even know what a think tank is? Like, how's a think tank go, James? Um, oh, I also need to tell you that every time, like the first few episodes we had you on, the intro that I had for you from your uh-huh. old show, uh-huh. um, it it goes with the video so perfectly, the audio does, but the first two episodes worked out perfectly, it was a great accent to the episode, then the... It was probably like an episode two ago, like one or two ago. They flagged it and pulled the episode for the audio. So somebody in between there must have bought the copyright to that audio. So now I can't use the audio to your sports video. And it's so perfect for when I have you on because we always get caught in this giant sports hole. And, uh, I always loved it because it was such a fun video. So I just need to let you know. I think it's funny. YouTube has now put down the hammer. I can't use that audio. But let me introduce the sports fanatic, our genius, and grounding us. I needed to be grounded. Paul, the last few episodes, I went off the rails. And so I needed to bring my elders to bring some wisdom and show me the light because we were losing it. And I want to introduce my good friend, Paul Brown. Thank you for joining us, Paul. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. So, so to, to comment on what you just said about the uh, uh, the YouTube, this is the second time now. I, it's unbelievable. I, You're not allowed to be what talking the, on YouTube. What the, what's going on? <laughs> I I think it's astonishing that we can have an entire episode talking about football and then get pulled for the last five minutes. And Paul, again, you keep me grounded. If I was talking to other people and people were storming the Capitol, I probably would have put on my tinfoil hat and gone off the deep end. But we stayed on the straight and narrow, and somehow we got the strike. It's another do? day in paradise. What are you going to do? What are you hey, going to do? So this morning, uh, I tried to get on the Zoom meeting, right? And I, I texted you that, that they want me to sign in, do this and do that. 
And I was thinking to myself, you know, sometimes it's probably better if we go back to smoke signals. Sometimes we can communicate maybe better and quicker than sometimes some of the apps and the computer stuff that they do for us. Like, the carrier pigeon. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. And and here's what I could tell you. Now I've been keeping the little bit in front every time to emphasize every time I have somebody come on Zoom, there's this difficulty of getting the audio connected and this whole hiccup. I deal with that. I, well, when I was in the courtroom with the judge, I would deal with that every day, every day. Now it's like you would think that'd be a problem you could solve. I've been telling them forever. We would be have meetings with Zoom and we're like, we need you to automatically connect people. Like if we could just have their audio automatically connect, that'd be no, we need to get permission. It's like, well, there goes 10 minutes every time. I'm right. messaging them. Look for the thing in the uh, in the left corner. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I want the audio anyway. Do I not? Do I just go to Zoom meeting without any audio? Right, right. If you just hit join, you go right in the meeting, and it it, it comes with a prompt to join. Right. So you're looking at people, and they're like, "Can you hear me? Can you hear?" And it's that's like, what, that's what I mean. I I don't join a meeting, so I don't get to hear you. Right. I'm not I'm not listening to the NFL on CBS when I want to mute them. I do want to hear you. <laughs> Right. Yeah, that's a great point. I don't click over to, you know, NBC and then want to then also click to join the audio. Like right. I'm on the channel. I'm here. I had to punch in a long series of codes to get here. So I do want my audio connected. Exactly. <laughs> uh, especially when it's a courtroom. It's like, yeah, we want the judge to hear me. Yes, please. I'm here for I'm in trouble. Just get me in there and get it working. Yeah. I want the judge to hear my plea and hear me cry and, and beg and <laughs> please let me off. I could I, I need to someday and I'm waiting until I move on from my current position there at the court. But I cannot wait until the one day I can sit here and read at the beginning of my tenure at this job. The judge comes to me and she goes, you know, I get these books all the time and I have this book that's a journal. And I have no use for it. You should take it. And it's a book and it says, like, the reasons I lost faith in humanity today. And it's just like a daily journal. At the bottom, it has, like, how do you rank the day? Thumbs up, you know, like, wish you out, you know, fingers crossed or like thumbs down. Mm -hmm. And the things you witness, and, and it's one thing when it was a courtroom, when I was an intern at this courthouse. I would. I had everybody calling it Walmart Wednesdays. That's our arraignment day because the best wow. dressed person was in jeans and a hoodie. So we went from that was when they had to get dressed out of their house and come in here. Now we're just logging into people's homes. And not only are they looking ridiculous, but you get a peek into their home. It's insane. And the, and the craziness that goes on behind them while they're talking on Zoom, I would Oh, imagine. my gosh. Oh, my gosh. I would love to do a tell-all. Just the stories. So I have, I have beers with Daniel Tate every now and then. Really? Yeah. Uh, he's a public defender here in, in Washington County. Yeah. So, so I have beers with him. He tells some stories, too, about the workload the stories. And, and the people. And it's just like, it's just incredible. incredible. It is. It is. Well, and, and the sad part is, Paul, to make like kind of a social narrative, we kind of get distracted 
you know, it's the social construct holding us back and it's all of this other stuff. And I truly do think the privilege of today is a two parent household that cares about you or, you know, it could be a broken home, you know, or divorced family, whatever. But having multiple parents that care about you is truly a privilege. And you look at these people and you could tell they are the result of a broken home. A parent missing or a parent that or a household that's toxic, whatever the case may be, it, it is says we in the people, the the civil civil servants working in that building, they have become the parents to grown adults yeah. like they, they can't take care of themselves. They free rent available. And we're sitting there like doing all the work to get you signed up. You know, I get it, but, you know, some of these people can't read that whole thing. But but how'd you get there? How'd you get there? And the reality is it's because you didn't have any structure to to really emphasize the importance of getting there. Right. See, and I think even more important than that is their their total environment. Because I because I because I know of people who um, were in a one parent household. And my partner's one of them, just, just her mom. She didn't end up, you know, in court or whatever. Um, and also, like I said, the environment. So she was in a good, her mom worked really hard to keep them in a good environment um, versus some of these families. Well, where I, I grew up in a, in a really poor end of town. And so that environment, just the environment itself, because not only you're dealing with typically parents who are uneducated. And so education is not a priority. You have that. And then you have, so, so you, so it, when you're growing up, your day is broken up into segments, right? So first, first segment is mostly school. So you're at school seven, eight hours a, a day. And then when you get home from school, then you go hang out with your friends four or five hours. And then you're with your family, right? Where, whether, whether it be one parent, two parent, you know, grandmother, whatever. So you have those three segments. And so school is trying to give you the tools that you need to succeed in the world. But if the other two factions of your world are tugging at you so hard and pulling you in so many different directions, the school doesn't matter because I'm, I'm more, I'm more, I want to be, I want to be more accepted by my peers, especially in my neighborhood. If you're not accepted by your peers, you get beat up every day. Right. And there's a lot tough. There was a lot tougher places than when I grew up. I mean, there's a lot of ghettos that you don't. Not only do you get beat up, you get killed. So you have right. that that you deal with every way, every day. And how do I, how do I manage? You know, do I join the gang? Do I not join the gang? Do I sell drugs? Do I not sell drugs? All those sort of things that you got to deal with in those environments. And then you have parents who really don't care one way or the other. They don't have an education, so it's like, you know, education is not important. Uh, someday you'll get a job, maybe, or if we're on welfare and our our family's been on welfare for the last four generations, guess where you're probably going to end up? You're probably going to end up on welfare. So so for me, it, the environment itself is what really drives uh, a lot of what's going on. So, and, and when you talk about defendants, we send defendants away to incarceration basically because we want to rehab them. 
how are you going to rehab them when you you can give them all the tools you want while they're in, in jail, but when they come out of jail, where are they going back to? They're going back to the exact same environment that they came from. And how do you expect sure. somebody to change when you stick them right back in the same environment? Because now, because you're still dealing with the same stuff. You're still de dealing with the pe peers. You're still dealing with economic, you know, repression. Um, you don't have an education still. So you still have the same tools that you had when you went to jail to begin with. So it's, it's a, to me, it's just a, it's a bad, bad cycle that that's happening. And the only way to, to break that is to, I don't know, I don't know how you're going to break up the ghetto. You know, are you going to select people and put them in different neighborhoods or, I, you know, I don't know, but, but to me, that's what it is. The environment itself is what drives the majority of what's happening. Okay, taking a couple things, because again, you're a white man, so there's no race to the words you just used. But again, there is something to you could take the ghetto man out of the hood, but you can't take the hood out of the ghetto man. There's something there, right? Like can't teach old old dogs new tricks at a certain respect. So I, I do hear you that it's the environment. I think it's much more difficult to change the overall environment versus the individual. Because while you can have toxic environments, there are people that do break out of there. Some of the problems you have, and this is kind of a a common, um, you know, disappointment amongst people that bra break out of the black community s struggles and then do not turn around and like fix those schools. Like that's why LeBron was so praised, right? He put a school back in Akron. There's a lot of people that kind of when they break out, they never look back. So there's something to be said about when you are somebody that can kind of block out the noise and the temptations of that environment around you that is calling you to blow off school and for protection, go into a more dangerous lifestyle. Um, the people that kind of block that out and break through that ceiling and now kind of move on to another tier they they owe it to that community to turn around and help it and so that's the word i doubled down and wanted to help with or or, or emphasize is but community let me, let me ask you this do they do they really they, they they broke out of that of that community do they really owe the community because well, they because they broke out of it they had a goal they strive towards the goal they did it themselves. The community was not behind them, pushing them to, to achieve that goal. So do they really owe the community? I, I would imagine so in that if you're going to say that the outside cellular communities owe it to that community to change something, because obviously something needs to change. Something right. needs help. So let me explain like a, a direct scenario that I think will better articulate my point. So we have a guy who comes into court or he's in the clerk's office and he's screaming at me. He's absolutely berating me um, because we use an online discovery program for people to upload discovery. And it's like protected through like FBI protection. So only the users that are given like access can access the evidence on this cloud so he's screaming at me because he's got a pre-trial coming up not the trial 
You still got a few series of, of hearings to come. And again, this is kind of my, my point here is going to be the underlying theme of ignorance. Ignorance. Here's a guy who, who is ignorant to how law and the proceedings work. The entirety of my job is people who don't want to, they think they're saving money because they watched Law and Order once, and they all want to move forward without their own attorney because they're their own attorney, right. and they have an absolute ignorance to what's going on around them. So while everybody who's educated extensively in the field totally understand how the process is working, and that what is happening to them is fair and justified. They, because they're ignorant to it, do not see it, do not understand it, and through their ignorance, lash out. So here's a guy screaming at me that I have only the police reports and other documents up on this, and I don't have this video. You are working... And he went to the police and this doesn't help that the police are just as dumb. Like I, that's been my argument forever. How, how do I fail law? school? If somebody wouldn't, if somebody were to fail law school, how can they still be a cop? Like if you couldn't figure out the law to fight the law, how can you be the law? That just makes no sense to me. So here's some cops that have no idea how the process works either. And they always just, just to get these people out of their office, just to get them out of the station. It's like, Go to the court. They'll deal with it. They'll, they'll figure it out. Da, 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 da. They, they got it for you. And so they shoo him off to the courthouse. They come in and they're like, the cops told me you got it. You work with the cops. You work with the prosecutor. You're all on the same side and you're trying to explain to them. We are a neutral party. The judge is neutral to them. Make this point to the judge. If you think they're playing games and hiding videos from I, the judge works with. So here's this guy lashing out because he thinks the judge, me, as the clerk, we're all in cahoots. And and it's just like you you don't get it. So then when he goes through the system and it's totally just and fair through his ignorance, the lens he watches it. He thinks things just happened to him, and they were totally unjust and inappropriate. So he's going to the appellate court, and the appellate court goes, uh, in the garbage. He goes to the news. He goes to all these advocate groups, and they go, this isn't the one, my guy. And now he thinks the whole society's against him, and now we have a forever damned person. So I hear you. We got to focus on the community and change the whole bigger thing. But you don't change the bigger thing until you change that guy. Because that guy's the guy that's pulling the kids from school and it's telling them and it ain't cool to listen to the teachers and mom and dad and the police and the firefighters and the doctors and the nurses. None of them got it figured out. They're all out to get us. He's the cancer in that community. Now, <laughs> it's really cancerous. It's really deadly. It's toxic like Chernobyl because they're all the cancer cancer so at some point to beat the cancer like chemo does you can only just do a couple at a time butterfly effect when that guy gets fixed and you fix him out he might help and and start pushing people in the right direction around him and around them and then around them and that's how it snowballs so i i kind of use some dangerous language at the beginning there trying to articulate what i really think the problem is is yeah big community big picture that's what we need to fix but the way to fix that is we can't ignore the fact that, like, we have totally brainwashed people in an unproductive way. Like, sorry, the cops didn't kill you because you're black. 
The cops killed you because you're fighting them out of fear and running. Somebody's got to tell you that. Somebody's got to tell you that. We're not telling you that's the fact. I will never die because even when the cop acts unjust, which has happened to me, and I was taught to work it out in the court of law, so I'm breathing today, you were taught to fight and run. That person, your mom, your neighbor, your teacher, the person who put that in your brain, they're the ones that killed you. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, uh, And to add to that point, too, is the same thing about education. So, um, you know, growing up, nobody told me that education was the key. It was it was going to unlock a lot of doors, you know, so I wasn't I wasn't I wasn't dumb. I wasn't, you know, un I wasn't unable to learn. I just didn't want to or it wasn't a priority in my household. So. By the time I get to be a uh, sophomore in high school, it's like, wait a minute, I, I want to go to college because I'm listening to all this talk about, you know, better jobs and the way to do that is to get an education. Well, I'm in the 10th grade and I don't have vocabulary. I can't spell. My writing is horrible. So I, buck, well, I buckled down the last two years, but didn't help. You know, that's why I ended up going into the military. One, one, to pay for it. And then two, I, I kind of slide into college somewhere without really having to take the ACTs and all that sort of stuff because, and my grade point average was so bad. So, um, you know, they, my first, my first, um, quarter at Bowling Green, I was on probation because my grade point average in high school was so bad. So I was on probation very first quarter that was there. I got a 4.0. Hey, and then it was like, okay, I'm ready to go, but I digress. Um, so, so, the edu- the, like like you said, you know, somebody put put into your head that education's not important, or they didn't stress education enough to that it's gonna. That's what's gonna open up the doors for you. That's what's gonna make the world available to you to do whatever it is that you want to do. I mean, even even these kids that that come out of uh, the bad neighborhoods that have a that have great athletic skill, they're gonna be able to get pushed through school because they have this athletic skill and yeah, they may make it to the professional level. Typically not because it's such a small percentage that makes it there. But even if they make it to the, to the, to the pros, they still don't have that educational background to help them with their finances, help them with the people that are around them, just general knowledge of what's going on in the world. And a lot of times they end up getting themselves in trouble. So again, the environment, because they 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 weren't education wasn't stressed. I don't have a general idea of what's going on. I have a I have a I have somebody pushing me saying, "Hey, you're good. You're good at you know this one aspect. Yeah, keep doing that. Keep doing that. Keep doing that." And what what happens a lot of times is the 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 person ends up going like I said, going to the pros and stuff. And and who ends up making money off of them? The people that have that that are that surrounded them. That's who makes the money off the people. Right. So I, I, I want to double back to a question you, you presented. So let me ask you this. Does you can't anybody answer you can't answer a, a question with a question? Yeah. Does anybody or particularly does like a specific individual owe it to donate 
or I guess uh, donate to or help um, support a breast cancer foundation. Totally random. No, right? You you would your answer would probably agree with like no that people just do that out of the kindness of their heart. So, or or they know somebody who went bingo. Through- so let me let me get this. Let me get this. So I think this. I'm gonna make my point to kind of emphasize why I think the question: Do you think the people that break out of these communities owe it to come back and fix it? Why I think that question is unfair. I think it's just as unfair of asking: Does the person, does anybody owe donating to a breast cancer foundation? No, nobody does. Why do we donate to any non-profit uh, foundations? Why do we try to donate our time and our money and resources to to those in need in any facet? And why? How do you distinguish which ones matter most to you? Bingo! You you nailed it. Most of the time, it's because you you watched your mom suffer for through it, or your neighbor, or your teacher, or something that really strikes a chord with you. And then, guess what? You were affected by it because your mom was affected by it. Your neighbor was never affected by it. But then you are so compelled by this situation and topic that you go to your neighbor and ask them to donate and help too. Now, at what point do you think it's fair to go to your neighbor and expect them to donate and get involved when you yourself are not even getting involved? So if this is a subject that is extremely important to you, you thought the cards that were dealt were unfair, and none of us get to choose our cards, not me either, as much as you want to throw that guilt and lay it on thick i didn't get to pick it either i've had this theory forever paul and it was i didn't get to change my situation and comparing myself to some kid in africa who has to walk 10 miles to get water just for today wow talk about how much better i have it than that person i didn't get to choose my cards so you know what i owe it to that person in the karma of this universe stop get bringing down on myself and and putting weight vests on to slow myself down to feel bad you know to make everybody feel better i was given this situation by god or the universe and i owe it to the universe to do as much good and positivity with it as possible if i start uh crippling myself because of guilt and everything else i'm doing that kid that can't do anything about his situation that's just trying to get water for the day i'm damning his situation further i should be able to use the platform that the universe has given me to make mine and everyone else's situation as good as possible so when i look at that person that's struggling in a ghetto yourself or anyone like like that situation and i go yes if if you think it's a, a big imp- – I didn't live in that neighborhood. So I'm living in a situation where I don't think any of my neighbors need any extra support. Now, I work in an area where I see areas of neighborhoods that definitely need the help and support. So I know they exist. So when you come to me and say these neighborhoods need help and, and support, well, if you're not somebody that broke out of that circle and is also proactively trying to solve the problem – then one, maybe that's raising doubts and whether or not it's a problem. Or it makes me question, why aren't you helping? Is it is it even possible to help? Is it something in the nature of the beast that you realize that I don't? So for even anybody to try to compel their neighbors to get involved, it's it's it it it'd be kind of a a contradiction for you yourself for them themselves to not get involved. Right. right. So I don't know. So, so well, back to the point that way back when, when you said that the person that has broken out 
owes the community. I, I don't think that I owe the community for You're me right. breaking out. I owe myself because I had the fortitude to say, I'm not going to be like this. I'm going to break the chain. I'm breaking out of the situation. Now, I do believe that I can, because of what I was able to do, I do believe that I can give back to the community my experience, you know, my um I can't give them the fortitude. You got to get that yourself. But I, but I can show you the doors. I can show you the ways. It's still up to you to to want to do that. And the biggest problem I have is people dumping money. So I, so I have this, I have this, you know, guilt that I should be, oh, I should be helping out all the poor people in in that end of town. Oh, so what am I going to do? Oh, let me donate, you know, ten thousand dollars to the recreation center of the community. And is that really helping? You're Who knows? Right. I don't know. No, it, it probably is. Well, versus, versus yeah. you know what? How about if I take that $10,000 and take a family and move them out of the ghetto into a better into a better neighborhood? Because my thing is all about environment. Take them out of the bad environment, put them in a good environment, now is that is are, are they going to are they going to be uh, productive citizens? I don't know. It still it still ends up it still ends up being on them to do what they want to do. Right. But at least I've given them an opportunity to be able to be successful. So well, I, you're right. It, you can't make them become the productive member of society. They have to choose to do that. But there's a very famous rat experiment. That, that I always love uh, referencing, and they took a cage of rats, and um, they had a bottle with cocaine in it, like a bottle with water mixed with cocaine. And when they didn't have a, enough food, there was too many rats, there wasn't enough space, the rats would drink the cocaine water to death. But when they had a much larger cage, plenty of space, plenty of food and toys to play with, Nobody, none of the rats touch the cocaine. So there is this kind of underlying theory that if you give people the comfort and means to live a reasonable life, um, most people don't reach out for these ways to escape and um, can be more of a assimilated member of society. But you, there's, you, a, there's a term called locus of control. And what that is, is how we as individuals feel that the our environment we have no control over our lives and uh, unfortunately a lot of people that are in those situations have zero locus of control they feel like there's no control over their life whatsoever yeah. everything that happens they have no control over it you know they're they're poor they can't get a job they can't do this you can't do that blah 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 and i have no control over it versus people like you and I who know that you have, you don't have complete control over everything that goes on, but you have enough control that you can get an education, go for a job that you want to actually work in, live in an area that you want to live in. You do all those things. You know that you have enough control over your environment that you can do those things. Right. A lot of people that are in, again, in these situations, I have a couple of sisters that are like that. They have no control over their life whatsoever. 
stuff just happens and boo-hoo, poor me, I can't do anything about it. You know, my health is horrible. Uh, uh, never, never mind the fact that you smoke, you know, two packs of cigarettes a day. That's another story. But boo-hoo's me, you know, I, I can't do anything, can't get a job, can't do this, can't do that because I have no control over my environment. My environment controls me. Huge. It's a huge thing. I, when I was teaching um, uh, college in, in Dayton, um, Dayton, Ohio, the, the, a lot of the adult students that I had were from the poorer end of town because it was a for-profit school. Okay. So they would take just about anybody as long as you could pay. Right. So we had, these, we had these individuals who at least were, some of them were attempting to do something to break out. Some of them were just there to get some free federal monies. Um, but a lot of them were there to try to break out. And, and, and again, the, the locus of control that, that even those students who had a little glimmer of, I'm going to school and I'm going to try to better myself. It's still, you know, the, the, my environment has just, I have no control over any of this sort of stuff and try to, and to try to, to, to get them to understand and believe that, yes, you do. You have complete control over it. Whatever it is that you want to do. You don't like where you live, move. Oh, I can't do that. Yes, you can. You can. It takes work. It may take a little bit of time, but you can. And that's, and that's, I think that's one of the huge differences is if I want to give back to a community, I want to give back to a community where you have individuals who feel like they have control over their lives and their environment. Well, I, I think the best theme to come out of that point is that you can't here's what really gets at me is when there's this I'm trying to think of the best way to phrase this there's this like impatience for people who say you if you don't like it then move you know you you hear that all the time like i'm t i'm tired of hearing Whoopi goldberg saying she's moving to canada and then she doesn't do it do us the favor go to canada already so, like, what kills me is when we look at these people and you're like, if you don't like where you're at, then move. I mean, look at California, which was supposed to be the clean energy capital of the country, jacks up all their taxes to ruin the market. And guess what? Elon Musk and the rest of them, they just moved to Texas. Those evil oilers over there, they got all the clean energy companies because guess what? You can just up and move. Here's the beauty of what we've got going on in this experiment. You've got... A bunch of different states. If you look at something like Ohio, that's three states in and of itself. If you take yep. northern Ohio with Cleveland and Toledo, those two are different in and of itself. And then you compare it to Columbus and Cincinnati, those are three different areas. And those are just major cities. We didn't even get to the corn people that surround the whole rest of the thing. That's right. just Ohio. What? What's that? Appalachia. Right, right. Boom. So take pick any state, you know, maybe Rhode Island is just a road. So aside from them, you've got like a bunch of other ones where you, Texas, how many states do you think? So the beauty is we're so localized and the forefathers, who knows what their nefarious intentions were really. <laughs> They did give us a good enough groundwork that we're locally policed by ourselves to some respect. So if you don't like where you're at, kind of like Europe, we have the 
protection of a giant country, but we're all a bunch of little countries in in one giant country. So right. if you don't like this spot, go somewhere else, probably within the same state, but you could go to the other side of this country and find a whole new life that'll probably fit your interests and needs. But there's one problem, Paul, and this is that theme you picked at it, you poked at it, and this is the case. The unfortunate part is it takes work. It takes work. And we live in a country in a society now that has no long that they they have no long-term perspective. I just I want it now. I want it now. I want it now. Amen, um, brother. The news, Amen. At the, the, the news, our perspectives, everything, we get in small bites and then we forget them. We don't, there's no retention anymore. That's how they get away with half of what they do because they know you're, you don't remember the bullshit we were selling you six months ago. So here's the next one. Open up. Here comes the choo choo train. And they're like, ah. and we're sitting there on Instagram looking at awesome cars and pretty girls and sweet vacations. I want that. I spend all day sitting comfortably in my sweats on the couch, and I'm seeing all the things I want. And I'm now totally removed from how I get there. How do I get those things? So there's this whole world where I want it. It's owed to me. But I got to work 40 hours. Nobody will ever. I, I will someday make something amazing, and I will be called privileged. And nobody knows what it's like. To have a highly professional job that is the ceiling for most people's careers. And I'm the youngest person at our court to do it. And I'm at one spot in my life. And when my clock ends, I come home and I work until 1 a.m. doing this thing. So when this thing turns into something amazing, I owe nobody nothing. That, exactly. I'm sorry. That's just the world. Yeah. And, and, uh, and to hit on to hit on the note. It's not even just the people that are that are in sweat sitting on a couch. It's your recent college graduates and it's yeah. your recent law school graduates who want I want the automatic two, three, four, five hundred thousand dollar a year job. Where is it? How come it hasn't fallen Paul, out? I'm gonna blow your socks off. I got a hunch you haven't heard of this. I got a hunch you haven't heard of this. Have you heard of the Taylor Swift craze? Yeah. You have? Oh, yeah. So did you do you did you hear what these tickets are going for? Yes. Yes. Hey, hey, I'm in I'm in touch with I'm in touch with the media. So let me ask you this. How many? Because there is a number. It could be one, could be a hundred, could be a couple hundred thousand. But I'm curious how many young girls paid forty thousand dollars plus beyond ninety-four thousand. For a ticket to a one-night concert to see Taylor Swift that are also crying and calling for college loan forgiveness. How many? Tell me. A lot. There's a number. Is it one? And that's the oxymoron we're living with. Yep. Yep. So let's let's get to back to, to the root of the conversation. You say, all right, I hear you. You should provide help. But what does that help look like? You know, do you just write the check with a donation? And then you brought up, well, maybe you take that $10,000 and you give it to a family. And again, you know, you may not be able to 
you may be able to lead them to water. You can't make them drink. Right. Well, I, I, I got to be honest with you. I do believe the random acts of kindness that are going viral right now. I think those have a greater impact than just a blank check to the donation. But I do want to emphasize one of the things I wanted to bring up when you said that is that's why when I kind of gave my spiel earlier on kind of donating or giving back, I made sure to show that it comes in multiple forms along with providing resources. It is giving your time. It is you physically laboring and donate, whether that's running spreadsheets as a treasurer for something or it's putting on a bake sale or whatever. The, the physical labor itself also pays a benefit, you know, clean your streets, do, do whatever it is. I don't, I don't know what that looks like. It's right. your heart will tell you, you know, whatever you think needs the help, that's where you should go. Um, but I do think, you know, if you have $10,000 to give, if you gave a thousand, if you went to your local grocery store and just, you, you can tell, you could tell by looking at people who can use a thousand dollars for their groceries. And I think that has such a greater impact than a blank donation to begin with, simply because you're reinstilling a faith in society that we have lost. Paul, when you were my age, there was a much greater sense of community, whether it was found in that in your neighborhood or not, as a country, we were a lot more communal. You and, and, I, I want to take it back to you spoke about the environment, but I emphasized the word community. And there was a gentleman in my neighborhood um, whose kid was probably the biggest monster in our neighborhood. Um, he was just a, a total wreck getting into trouble left and right. Um, but we all grow out of it and everything else. But it was funny. He grabs me while I'm going for a run in the neighborhood. He's like, you know, if you look, every kid in this neighborhood that all grew up with each other, they may not even have been friends. The whole neighborhood, they're all well off. Now, the Gurgats house, those kids are kicking the most ass. But aside from that, everybody else is doing really well, and they're all finding their niche in this society. And he goes, you know, that speaks to how we as a neighborhood were all in this together. That, like, you couldn't get in trouble. We lived up on a hill. He lived at the bottom of the hill. And his kid couldn't come up and, ru- you know, cause havoc up at the top of the hill and his parents not find out about it. So like we were all in this together. So again, you made that point of the single mom who's still, whose kid still broke through. Well, no, it wasn't just that mom and that daughter that got through the thing. It was maybe a grandmother that was around or a neighbor that would, you know, watch her get in the house. Yeah. I'll make sure she gets at home while you're at work. There, there is a community for that single mother to succeed with that single daughter. It doesn't happen without another community backing it. So back to the donations, you don't just write a blank check. It, it, it takes physical la- – you don't better your – so there's multiple facets here. To the main point is you brought up, you don't break the ceiling without you putting in the work yourself. Right. But then the people around you never get a better situation, and and you don't owe it to anybody. You don't owe it to anybody. Can, but can, can we on a moral compass discussion agree 
that a good a better operative word would be should. You should. If you have the means and you have the ability to help, at the point at which you don't, you're the dark soul holding us back. And, you know, it's not good to always look in black and white terms, but if you can extend a hand to help that person up and you choose not to, that is the reason we're not moving forward. You never had to. You never had to. But you know what? You should. And because that's what you do, owe the universe because you should, I, I do. I think you owe it. At the end of the when you boil out the facts, yes, you should. And when you don't, you didn't owe it to anybody. But because you chose not to, back to giving $1,000 to the person in the grocery store is better than just donating because you're now perpetuating good. And that carries – it's a baton that carries on. And so when you're at the grocery store, if I had $1,000 to give somebody – and I'm at the grocery store and I'm checking out and they go, would you like to don't round up and give that extra 54 cents to ha, 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 ha. Every time I'm saying no, every time I'm saying no, 54 cents versus a thousand dollars to a stranger. And it's not because, oh, I'm too cheap to give 54 cents every time. It's because we also live in an America where capitalism has compromised a lot of things and, uh, Nonprofit organizations being one of them. I trust none of them. I trust zero. So I do double down and agree with your point of no, don't donate. Don't donate. I definitely agree. But that doesn't mean don't provide resources where you can. You got extra cans of food. Guess what? That isn't going to be paying the CEO of, uh, you know, McDonald's house. Uh, Ronald McDonald's house, that's not going to be paying his paycheck. So yeah, give them canned foods. Give them resources that actually go to the source. So either give it directly to the source or something that can't be whitewashed into a person's back pocket. Agreed. Agreed. So um, my big thing right now is the, because I'm a senior, the senior help that's available out there there's, there's, and I, I'm, I'm starting to not a not for profit. Um, it's called Senior Network Services, Senior Services Network, and I want to be a third party to seniors. So, for example, I have a senior who needs a refrigerator. The refrigerator just died. Where can I go get one? Um, there's not a good used appliance store in town, so no, so your only option is to get a new one. New ones are anywhere from you know, 700 to $10,000. So how's a senior who's on fixed income going to take, going to make sure that their food stays cold? There, there's no options to them to do right. that. Um, and it's just, and that's just one small example. You know, they're, they need rides, they need their car fixed, they need, they need a ton of stuff. And I see all this stuff that's out there for kids. The one that, the one that hits me the hardest is this time of year is Toys for Tots. Right. Guess what? These kids don't need toys. They need other things. They don't need toys. Right. But seniors need stuff. So next year I'm starting a campaign called Stuff for Seniors instead of Toys for Tots. Stuff but anyway, for seniors. seniors. <laughs> or supplies for seniors, right? They I mean they need they need adult diapers. They need um uh home health aids. They need sometimes they need money to pay for their oil. You know, or they, heaven forbid you apply the same logic of toys to, for tots to old people. Like maybe they could use a smile too. Exactly. In a tough yeah, time. They could, they could use, they use puzzles or whatever the case may be. Anyway. So, so I'm starting this non, non-profit to do that. So 
So when you when you don't trust any non for profits, you know, I want you to take that back and say, I'm going to trust your not for profit. Well, and that's it. <laughs> know the boots on the ground. So I trust Paul. So when they but but again, I get roped in with my job. I get roped to go in all these uh, fundraisers for nursing homes oh, and I'm a sucker for raffles. I am a sucker for raffles. So they always get all my money. Again, I'm not saying here like just blanket rule, no nonprofit or, you know, no donations. I, I, to, I know but, I know but you should I think if you're going to lean one side of the fence, always lean on the side of doubt unless, you know, like right. I know I know you and I trust whatever you're doing is for the sake of good. And that's what I'm going to support. Whereas I don't know, like, how about this one? Well, let me let me let me let me point real quick, please. Oh, so, so I'm I'm not looking just for money. I'm you looking for the labor help. I'm looking for services. Yes. So I'm looking for the plumber who's willing to give up three hours a week to go fix somebody's or put a new sink in somebody's house that that they've been living with the same sink for twenty five years and it barely drips. I'm looking for the electrician who's willing to give up three hours a week to go put in a new a new ceiling fan for somebody who absolutely needs one because the summertime gets so hot. I'm looking for uh, air conditioning, heating and air conditioning guy to go out and look at somebody's unit that hasn't been fixed for whatever. So I'm looking for not just money, but I'm looking for services, which is which is why I came up with the name that you come to me and you need help. I have these connections now that of these people that are willing to donate their services. I don't need your money. I'd like to have your money, but I don't need it. I'd rather have services because for me to have somebody on, on the, the end of the phone that I can call and say, Hey, you know, Mrs. Mrs. Johnson is her refrigerator went down. Can you go just take a look at it real quick to see if it needs repair, if you can repair it or she needs a new one. And then the other thing, and then the other thing I want, I want somebody to donate to me a warehouse space so that when you buy a new refrigerator, your old one's still working, you can donate your refrigerator to me. It'll sit in the warehouse. So when Mrs. Johnson's refrigerator goes down, I can lend her this refrigerator until we can figure out a way to get her a new one. And on top of that, none of this stuff is for free for the seniors. I no. want you to pay. I want you to pay me whatever you can pay me, because if you have if you have um, a, a a bid in whatever's going on, that means you um you're you're tied into it more. You need it, right? Well, you know, but you're but you but you if if you could pay me twenty five bucks for the services, you feel like you've been able to to yes. support yourself. And it's not yes. like you're getting free, all the free stuff, which a lot of people, that's the only way they're going to go. But, but if I'm going to give you the services, if this, if this electrician is going to come out for three hours and you can pay me 10 bucks, give me the 10 bucks. Right. No, totally. Totally. So, so it's not, it's not free, but it's also not, I'm not exploiting you either. Uh, no, and, I love that because that kind of diffuses my next question, which was going to be, how did you. How would you decide who who gets the services or not? Application or and and I guess at the end of the day, if you're paying for the services, it could really be anybody over a certain age. Anybody over sixty five, senior. I like it. Yeah. 
even yeah. better. Yeah. So that's awesome. So so when does the when does the project start taking off? I've already applied to the state of Maryland for uh, my nonprofit status. I'm waiting to hear back from them. As soon as I get get from them, then I'm sending it to the feds to get uh, the 5013 CB status. Um, I'm working on uh, developing a, um, a board of directors, uh, articles from corporation. Um, so I've got things rolling. Um, wow. I just got to wait back to hear from the state first. Well, get ready to wait a while. That's government. Yeah. Unfortunately, and I already have my first fundraiser that I'm going to do probably uh, in March or April. You doing a golf outing? No, actually, I'm, I'm doing a dance-a-thon. Oh. So remember back in the day when everybody had walk-a-thons? Yes. And, and you would go out and you would get uh, pledges. So I'm going to give you a dime for every mile you walk. This is going to be the same thing. So you're going to go get pledges. I'm going to play a hundred songs. There's going to be a hundred dances and you go out and get pledges for how many dances. So, so you come to me and say, I'm going to this dance-a-thon and I will give you a, I'll give you a quarter for every dance that you dance. Oh my gosh. And so, and so I'm going to play a hundred, a hundred songs, a hundred dances. And then you're at this dance-a-thon. You can dance as many as you want, as few as you want. And then I always. That's such a great fun idea. Cause I'm just sitting here thinking, how difficult is a hundred songs? Let's just, what do you think? Songs are on average about four minutes. Yeah. Three and a half. Yep. So let's just say a hundred. Yeah. You're looking at 400 minutes. Dang. So about six to seven hours. Yes. Yes. Of dancing. Yes. That's like so, a full-time job of dancing. So who's going to do that? Nobody. Me? Right. Oh my God. Don't put me to the challenge, especially yeah. if it's making money for old people. I'm challenging you. I expect to see you here in Maryland in April or May and dance 100 songs. All right. I'll do the Carlton for six and a half hours. <laughs> da, 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 da. You better do good songs. Don't be like picking some nonsense that like makes it difficult to sit there for six and a half hours. Oh, no. these All my songs are – all my dance songs are – all right, I, I have faith. I have faith. Dance songs. Yeah. You, you strike me as a good DJ. Yes. Yeah. So, Paul, one of our final topics here I want to ask you. I want to get your thoughts on something. Sports guy, we started off talking sports. I'm just curious on your thoughts of the situation that has arisen out of the Florida Gators. So, there is a gentleman who had their scholarship revoked to one of the top high school quarterbacks in the nation after the team was filmed singing along to a song that had the N-word in the lyrics. So he was in his car listening to a rap song, and somebody caught a clip of him singing the rap song where one of the lyrics had the N-word. Now his scholarship has been pulled to the Gators. nonsense see here's why it really kind of strikes a chord with me last night one of the cool things that's been popping off on my tiktok is tiktok does this thing where it pushes your videos out more if you do lives like you uh -huh. go live on your phone and i've never done it because i've never had something to do it's all a bunch of kids sitting there in front of their phones like hi 
Yeah, uh, yeah. I I live in Ohio. My favorite color is red. Like people just ask random questions. It's yeah. the lamest, most boring thing ever. So you have to have a thousand followers to go live. This happened like a two years ago. I've never gone live since because I just think it's a waste of time. But I keep reading. It helps the algorithm. You got to do it. So it clicked with me that I can play tunes and play pool with a buddy. So I'll have a buddy over. We'll play pool. And it pops off. It's like, all right, at least I found some. Now I'm not looking at my phone. I'm not worried about it. We're just having our fun. And it's going. And it's rolling. And we're having fun. Mm -hmm. And there's a song from college, again, before we went down this dark road of like division and this was a this was before it was a social rule before when, when we were actually allowed to enjoy these people's music and i'm listening to a song from college that i've listened to for probably 10 years now paul and i'm singing it and i'm like went right through a line went right through it and i'm like oh that could have got me. Now, fortunately, I kind of like mumbled it and everything, but it's just like that was instinct, instinct that was trained into me. It just feels like an unfair trick that like you had. It's unfair of you. This kid's in high school. OK, this kid's about to go to college. Here's what resonates with me, Paul. Rap was becoming a big thing when I was in high school. So we go back like 12, 13 years ago. I am on a school bus with a school bus of white kids with maybe three black kids on the football team, them also being right next to me, and we're all singing the song. And it just seems like so unfair that what was the little Lil Wayne song that would hype us up for the football game is now going to take away my ability to feed my family and hold a long-term career? So it's let me just ask you this. Uh, the 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 guy that's in question, uh, white black. Oh, he's white. Because it wouldn't matter if he was black. If black people are allowed to say it, that's the social rule. But, but, okay, did he say it? Apparently, he sang it. So here's what's sad: is in our country we've lost nuance. We're no longer allowed to take in the context. It is just black and white, blind judge Drud. We, you did it. You're dead. You're white. You're this demographic. You said this word, dead. Yeah, you're what? not a. You're not allowed. You're white. You're not allowed to sing rap. You're not allowed to sing hip hop. You're not allowed to enjoy the 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 nuances of those um, genres. Hell, you might as well just, you, you're not even allowed to listen to Motown anymore because you know that's not your music. Um, the only you, thing you're allowed, the only thing you're allowed to listen to is Taylor Swift. Yeah, yeah, oh, for forty thousand dollars. But wait a minute, wait a minute. You as a white man can't even listen to Taylor Swift because you're not a female. Oh. Uh, because you'd be misogynistic if you did that. Um, so you get to listen to Frank Sinatra. No, wait a minute. You can't listen to Frank Sinatra because you're not a tie-in. Um, you're right. Gosh, what are you going to listen to? You're going to listen to you. You unfortunately are going to have to end up listening to uh, Greek music. Hala, <laughs> all you get to listen to, man. 
And <laughs> definitely do not have that on when uh, in any other time that anybody can hear it. See, it, it's just it's it's sad because if you look at a lot of the lyrics, a lot of especially in the old days when there was a lot of censorship, there was still a lot of nuances in there. There were still a lot of things that. Um, I, it, and the one song that it takes me back to is a song called Afternoon Delight. Afternoon Delight. Yes. I mean, if you think about that, it's like, whoa, that is a very, very pro provocative song. Yeah, very promiscuous. Back in the 70s, it was like, whoa, <laughs> should we have been able to have that? Beat? Now they're singing to your little girls about their wet ass pussy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, snap. How are you doing? Hi, buddy. How are you? How are you? The name's I'm, Joe. Well, hello there, Joe. Uh, as a matter I'm of fact, nervous. why don't you meet my daughter? The love of my life, the life of my love. She's a fan of yours. Hi, a, how are you? This Hi, is Ashley. You? Good, how are you doing? You know the I'm nickname good, she gave her father when she was growing up? She'd call me Joey B. So yeah. we may be related Cardi or something. B. Yep, Cardi B and Joey B. <laughs> I'm a huge fan. Well, I just want okay, to Joey say B. Hi. How you doing? I feel so crazy because I feel like I'm a little bit late. But Biden, let me tell you something. When you have kids my age, uh, like the one my age, two years old, your schedule never go as planned. You know what I'm saying? I, I, You're telling I me? I got four kids, five grandkids. Come on. I'm an expert. I understand about kids. The most important thing in the world. They come first. Yes, definitely. Always. My kid come first. So it's like. <laughs> afternoon delight <laughs> yeah. you know it's all and now it, it, i mean people have to get over it you know if, if the kid if the kid's singing along to it but he wasn't yelling at the car as he's driving through the ghetto you know exactly it's almost the like the melting pot is unmelting yeah if, if i hear if i would hear a rap song that i would like and it had that word in it i might Sing along with the two. Does that make me all of, all of a sudden it makes me a racist? Social rule of today says yes. Well, I'm an old white guy too, so I'm I'm already a racist. Exactly. Because I'm a old white guy by default. By right. Default. By default. So yeah, it's 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 just it's like I said in the beginning, nonsense and sad. It's just sad that. We but have, we, the problem is, I I can't. I this is what I struggle with, Paul. I try to figure out. Was it because I was young and ignorant and didn't totally understand the world? Or have we digressed? Have we gone backwards? Because in many ways, it feels like I didn't grow up in a classroom where any of the kids around me were different. The Indian kid, the Asian kid, the black kid, the white kid. We were all kids in the same classroom. And it was just that that kid was slow on the kickball team. That kid is really good at math. That kid, you know, yells a lot, you know, whatever it was. And you didn't see any demographic that attached to it. It was just people being people. That's just that's the nature of of the human is we're all very variables. So what stinks is it feels like this has been retrained into us. I go to a high school reunion recently a week ago and I see these people where those lines never existed. Then we go to college, and that's where, you know, right at the end of high school was Obama's term, and you could see division slowly being created, but it didn't really affect us. Then Trump gets elected, and all, it all goes off the rails. And it's like these are the same people 
that these lines never existed. Here we are again. The lines are deeper than they've ever been. So, you know, when we have John Marshall Law School here in Cleveland, okay, that was a law school I would have liked to have gone to. I got into John Marshall in Chicago. Okay, so John Marshall in Cleveland likes to piggyback off the fact that they're kind of building this little bit of confusion, like they're the same school or they're a sister school. And it's like, Cleveland, you don't want to call yourself Cleveland State Law School because it's Cleveland State University's law school. No, they uh, call themselves John Marshall to kind of camouflage that they're we're a Cleveland Law School. So right. they deemed John Marshall racist. Um, because way back in the day, apparently he owned a slave or something. So they got rid of the John Marshall name and they're deliberating. It's going to take a year. They're trying to figure out what the name could be because it's like, yeah, you don't want to call yourself Cleveland State Law School because you'll get the context you deserve. Um, oh, wait till they get millions of dollars and be called Quick and Loan Law School. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that would be. Oh, wouldn't that be great? First Energy Law School. Oh, that'd be fantastic. Hey, so so I wanted to I wanted to say um what does my point there? Um yes, I did. Never mind. Go ahead. <laughs> well, no, I it's just it's sad. It feels like the melting pot, the thing that made our innovation and community so strong is becoming an unmelting pot. And so here I am on Thanksgiving and I come across a video of a little girl who's like Mom, I really like this girl's hair. And she's looking at a, a black girl on a TV show. And she's like, I want you to do my hair like that. Like, can you put the braids in and da-da-da-da? And then it cuts to this guy, and you know, he goes, This isn't your culture. Stop appropriating somebody else's culture. And and it's like, wait, you get mad that all she first you got mad at the toy aisle because it was all white dolls and that the white girl doesn't want to look like a black girl and that the black girl looks inferior to her because she never saw any black dolls now all she sees is black dolls and black girls on tv and she wants to look like one and you want to damn a child for for wh what assimilating to what you were looking for it seems like we're totally going the wrong direction and it's only damning us further right so um point that you made uh when you talked about in your school you didn't see black indian whatever the case may be children don't see those things Boom. children don't see prejudices children don't see and a lot of them don't see differences because as we're growing up especially as we become teenagers what are we focused on ourselves right and the problems that i have and nobody has problems like I have. And how am I going? I hate my parents and I hate my life and I hate my hair and I hate my weight. I hate everything. I hate school. I need to get out of here. I don't see all this other stuff that's around me because I'm so focused on who I am. And only until parents step in or adults step in does that change. Because then we start hearing their prejudices we start hearing right. their um opinions about everything and so naturally we want to adopt some of those because they're our parents or our teachers or our priests or whoever the case may be that's how we simulate those additional things you know now I, I will say that as children we do have experiences that sometimes taint us towards oh i don't like those people or i don't like 
best situation because of something that happened to us. But hopefully we grow out of that and say not, not everybody in, in that demographic or whatever is the same way. And another point that I'll make about parents stepping in, how, when you go through your neighborhoods now, how many times do you see on the athletic fields on a weekday or a Saturday morning or Sunday, kids just playing without, oh. without adult supervision? None. It doesn't exist. There isn't any of that. When we were growing up, where were we? I, I don't know about you, but for me, every, out in the neighborhood. as soon as I got home from school, as soon as I was able to go out on Saturday and Sunday, boom, I'm down at the playground. And we're playing sports and doing all that sort of stuff. How many parents were down there? Zero. So now all of a sudden the parents are stepping in. And it's my generation. I'll, 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 I'll take blame for that. I didn't do it, but I'll take blame for that. Our, we stepped in and said, oh, our kids have to be, they have to be organized because how else are they going to learn? The, they can't learn the game. They can't learn the sport without us telling them what the rules are and pushing them in the right direction. Oh, and by the way, they're halfway decent. We're going to keep pushing and pushing and pushing until they become a pro, which they never right. will. But it takes away all that. And then now all of a sudden, I have, I'm having new influences of parents and coaches and people telling me that, you know, I'm, I'm good or bad or whatever. And it, it, it just children, let children be children and let them grow up, let them formulate their own opinions as adult. And there's so much social media now that again, they're being inundated by all that, that, Boom. that they, they can't develop their own identity and their own ideas that we're adopting everything else that's around us. And so then you have situations like this where, you know, the, the kid is just singing along to a song because he likes the song. And all of a sudden he is, is being ostracized and being excommunicated from his community and, and other situations because he liked the song. Right. Right. Like, oh, so, so if I whistle the song that has that word in it, exactly is that the same thing oh you were thinking it you were thinking it because you were whistling it so you're trying to add sense to the nonsensical amen brother <laughs> here here's the the real killer and i really like your point let children be children i i totally agree with you that it's this infection that starts with the parents and i i do appreciate the old traditional world that we've lost where you learned a lot. I, I always said your biggest lesson that you took away from college was not a, ever a single class, but that this is the first period in your life where you're on your own entirely. You got to manage your schedule. You got to manage your, your laundry, your food, your meals, your social time, all of your extracurriculars. All of this is on you. This is make or break. You're, you no longer have your mother there to carry you. For those of you that don't take that opportunity and you still have your parents involved in carrying you, you've lost out on life's biggest lesson at that period in time. So I agree with you that like I think a lot of growth and a lot of development does come from just being out on your own. You know, how did you learn to deal with bullies in a social setting, but otherwise being in a social setting that had bullies, right? So I live in a, in a neighborhood where the parents never came outside. The parents were inside. We played kickball. We'd go ride our bikes throughout the whole neighborhood, get everybody, come to the cul-de-sac and play kickball. So we were on our own. Was mom peeking out the blinds just to make sure no one's dead? 
or you're still around, sure. Were we in a nice enough area where, you know, if you went out and about, you're not going to show up on, you know, a, the wrong road in Brooklyn? Sure. We definitely had that privilege, too. So we were kind of in our own little oasis to go. But there was a social growth that we were able to develop where, you know, this person's always mean. He pushes my sister too hard or something. Like, it was always – and you had to learn how to traverse that. It wasn't, right. you know, I'm going to mom and she's going to intervene. Now right. we've got these parents that are in the driveway all day. They And and to that – it drives me nuts, Paul. Their yards are trash. We're always doing the yard work. They're sitting there, and it's like I could not imagine spending – as, as I said, I come home from work and I just work more. I couldn't imagine having the time to just sit there and do nothing in their driveway. It drives my dad nuts, too. He's like, I, I, how do you have that time? So now you've got these parents that are hyper uh, involved and around. And these kids have learned nothing. I'm going to kill one, Paul, in my car. They just dart. I was taught my parents were never outside to police this, but all of us knew like clockwork. You'd see down at the end of the road, a car coming and well before they even got to us, everybody dispersed onto the sidewalk. Now they're like, the hell are you doing in my cul-de-sac at scooter time? And it's like, I'm going to kill you. And it's not <laughs> intentional. Like there's, you know, these kids, they, they just walk in the backyard and they're playing in our rocks. And we're like, what is going on? And we're not the only ones having this problem with this, these kids. And so there's a lot of social rules and how to carry yourself and how to assimilate that these kids have totally lost. I think a root of that is that they're being raised by iPads, that we never had to teach you table manners. We just pay $2.99 for the iPad on the, on the table at Applebee's to shut you up. It's with the parents. It starts at the home. This whole conversation, Paul, has gone full circle. You've got kids that had prejudices taught into them through their parents, through their teachers, through their priests. Like you said, all of this comes from the things around you. And I think the main theme to take away from this entire conversation is where you want to fix these issues, where you want to help people and make a difference, it starts in the community, the community, and the, the, the root the, the epicenter of the community is your home. It can be a single mother. It can be two divorced parents built, working their way out through their own issues. It could be two parents and, and uncles and aunts, whatever, a, an extended household. But it starts in the home. But if you that home will struggle, and it will never get as far as it possibly could be if it doesn't have a community of people also with the same goals and, and um, striving for the same thing. I, I may have said this before, but I thought every kid, it, me and my sister thought this was an experience all kids got. We would go to restaurants everywhere, Paul, and they'd all come up to us and go, strangers. I thought strangers just did this. I thought strangers just did compliments to people. They'd come up to us and go, your kids are so well-behaved. These are just the nicest kids in a restaurant. We're like, oh, my God, these people are – it happened all the time. Come to realize it's happening all the time because we're an anomaly. They don't I, exist anywhere else. So it, you're right. I don't have the kid, but I have the life experience of knowing how far off you are from children's of success. Right, right. And, again, the, their, their comeback is, well, when you have kids, we'll see. Oh. My it's not that 
It's not that e- it's not that easy these days raising kids. Right. Well, you never know when that iPod loses charge. I just I don't know what to do. He goes crazy. <laughs> so I I appreciate you giving me your time as all always, Paul. Don't forget to tune in and watch the Buckeyes show you how football is done as they do. Yeah, the age as well. Come Tuesday, Buckeyes. We'll see. <laughs> it, it, so last week, I got to tell you the story real quick. So Please. last week they played Maryland, right? And uh, That's right. so I turned I turned the game on, and and uh, Ohio State. Yeah, the game was had already started, so Ohio State was up. It's like, yeah, I'm not watching this because it was like ten to nothing or something. So I so I turned off, was watching something else, and I flipped it back on at halftime just to see what the score was. Thirty to thirty three. It's like, oh my god, are you kidding me? So then, so then I turned it on. I watched the, the beginning of the second half. So Maryland comes out, three plays. They have to punt the ball. Punt, block, they, they, and then they score. It's like, I'm turning this off. This is, <laughs> this is cool. So then um, I, I check out the score again later on, and it was like, that's when it was 30 to 33. It's like, oh, my gosh, they're close. So I'm watching the game, and Ohio State does something. And so Maryland can still come down and win the game. It's like, okay, here we go. So I'm watching them. The first play is a drop pass, I think. The second one was a sack. And the third one, the guy, the quarterback just kind of hand, just threw it out to the side and let, and let the Ohio State player pick it up and run in for a touchdown. It's like, are you kidding me? The Ohio State luck guys, here we go again. Hey, because, well, because whether it's luck or whatever, a right, win's a win. In the beginning, I said, oh, please, Maryland, make my year. Oh, when anyway. I was in law school, Paul would remind me all the time his disdain for the loud Buckeyes fans. Yeah, it, it, it's going to be a good game, I think. It's going to be. This is going to be a great game. A good one, yeah. So this will definitely be the biggest one of their so, year. So um, I'm I'm putting you down on my list for the dance-a-thon. I've got ready. moves. I I don't think the the thon is ready for it, but I'll I'll bring it. I'll break it down. You're gonna. I know you're gonna move from. You're gonna take your body and move it from Cleveland to Maryland when I have this dance-a-thon. And you're going to bring, and you're going to get all kinds of uh, uh, monetary support from your people there in Ohio, exactly. and bring that and bring that stuff to Maryland, and we'll we'll get you hooked up. I'm going to be grinding and dancing so hard, I'm going to make it rain, old lady refrigerators over there. <laughs> there you go. So, so, Paul, again, I appreciate you giving me your time. If we made you laugh, if we made you think, the best thing you can do to support this podcast is share that episode. Take that link and text it to a friend that you think might enjoy it. Otherwise, you can catch all of our content on our website at www.rethinktankpodcast.com. And again, Paul, thank you for your time, and uh, we'll catch you on the next episode. Thanks, Alex. Peace. I appreciate it. As always, Paul. Thank Later. Paul, go Buckeyes. Go Buckeyes. All right, man. We'll see. Yeah. Enjoy the day. Cool. Later. Later. Later.